Welcome to Buy the Books, the podcast helping business owners navigate the complex world of business, tax, and bookkeeping. Now, to the owner and president of Secline, Lindsay Klein. Thank you for joining us, everyone. This is Lindsay Klein with Secline, honest, accurate bookkeeping performed on time. I'm here today with Josh Dixon, who is a CPA and an owner of J. Dixon Tax here in Frisco, Texas. He's also a member of the WealthAbility Network, which I found out is part of this Rich Dad Poor Dad network that I didn't even know existed. So this is pretty cool. I'm going to have to check this out. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. It's um, fairly new. I've uh, been at it for a couple of years now. This is kind of the uh, dream of Tom Wheelwright. He's the uh, founder of the WealthAbility Network. He's also the author of Tax-Free Wealth. And he is uh, Robert Kiyosaki's CPA. Which I had no idea. So I, I seriously am going to have to check this out because I have followed Robert Kiyosaki's books for years. So this Right. Is- and a lot of people are very familiar with Robert. Robert definitely has more kind of notoriety yeah. or more popularity. People you know recognize the name more. But I'm very uh, curious about the CPA that yeah. he would pick to do his personal stuff. Of so, course. Yeah. I mean, so this um, is interesting. <clears throat> Robert's made a couple of mentions of him. Uh, Tom actually kind of acquired uh, Robert. So Tom, you know, years and years ago, uh, before he met Robert, was purchasing a CPA firm and ended up purchasing a firm that came with Robert Kiyosaki. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So Robert didn't actually pick him. He just kind of fell into him. (laughs) Yeah, it was kind of more by accident. That's really interesting. uh, So it worked out that Tom happened to be this really great CPA and he met Robert. And interestingly enough, one of the things that they... Uh, found out about when he first, when when Tom first took Robert on as a client, was that Robert had all these all his real estate and all these properties, and he'd never done a cost segregation study. Which, if you're not familiar with cost segregation, it's a type of depreciation. Okay, which is our topic today. That's We're correct. We're talking about depreciation, which is such a confusing topic. It can be, but it doesn't have to be. But it is for the regular person, <laughs> and even I'm. I'm in that world, right? I'm, okay. I'm an accountant. I'm not a right. CPA, but I'm an accountant. Okay. It is still massively confusing. Really? And okay. especially when you add the dynamic that there's tax depreciation methods, right, that the IRS accepts. Sure. And then there's gap depreciation methods, right, the sure. generally accepted accounting practices, which are not necessarily the same as what the IRS accepts. True, true. So... There are, it seems to me, basically endless different ways to depreciate your fixed assets. Well, okay. To be fair, yes. So, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I literally had a accounting professor tell the class, I just ask my clients what they want their profitability to be for the year. Mm. And I give it to them. And he does it through depreciation. Yeah, I mean, I guess you can do that that way. You know, that <laughs> does that does kind of work to a degree, right? So, um, I mean, what you're talking about is, you know, book depreciation is um, a lot different than tax depreciation. Tax depreciation is what everybody thinks about, if they even think about it at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. You know, but tax depreciation is the, is the more interesting part. <laughs> Let's define depreciation so, before we get into the nuts and bolts. Right. What okay. is depreciation? Well, why don't you give me your definition first? Okay. So I would say it is taking the cost of an expensive asset, whether it be a building, 
a car, a piece of equipment. Usually the threshold seems to be about $2,500. That's what most CPAs tell us. So things that are above $2,500 or more, it's taking the cost of those items and expensing them out over a period of time, usually several years. Right. Okay. Yeah. That is a very good definition. Okay. Good. All right. So, Step but one. what if I said, what if I have my own definition, a different definition than yours? I'm sure you do. <laughs> <laughs> what if I said the depreciation is free money from the government? Free money from the government. Yeah. I'm very interested to see. Have you thought about it that way? Free money from the government. I'm trying to think of how that translates to free money from the government. Yeah. Is it because of the aspect that you can kind of manipulate when you take your your deductions? There is some of that. Okay. Sure. So, so, you know, and you I mean, mean um, you know, and, and the, the government changes this stuff all the time. Uh, so, you know, years ago we had just kind of, you know, straight line depreciation. And then we added modified accelerated costs, blah, blah, blah. And then we added bonus and section 179 and all this different stuff right so, so how many different ways will the irs accept depreciation like how many methods are there per the irs well i mean you know there are a lot of different methods but really it's just kind of uh most people go with what's most advantageous which is to take the most upfront that you can right and so uh right now that's bonus depreciation a lot of times they'll let you take 100 percent on you know a lot of different equipment and uh things that are under uh, 15 years depreciable life is what they call it. But um, so if you can depreciate it in less than 15 years, then you can take that bonus. Yeah. Depreciate. Yeah. And you basically get to take it all up front. Now you can, you know, elect out of it and all these different things if you really want to, but, but really for tax purposes and what's most beneficial for people, of course, is to take as much upfront as possible. But not always, right? Because there may be yeah. a bad year for a company where it's not that advantageous to take another deduction because they're not going to be paying taxes anyway, right? Uh, well, I mean, yes and no, right? So if you take the, the bonus depreciation, if you can't use it for whatever reason, then you just can just carry it forward. Gotcha. You know, okay. whereas if you uh, say you elect out of it, then you can't really go back and say, oh, well, now I want to now I want to elect in. Okay. <laughs> now I want to take it. How many years can you take that forward? You know. Should be, I think it should be 20. 20 years. Okay. Yeah. So you can take it forward for so, quite a while. And if you're yeah. not profitable in 20 years, yeah. <laughs> you've got bigger problems. <laughs> you got a big problem. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. So, you know. Gotcha. So there's really not many cases where you would not want to take that bonus then. No, you pretty much always want to take it as soon as you can. Okay. You know. So the uh, depreciation is basically decided by the government. They get to decide how quickly you get to take, you know, a deduction on something. And specifically or, or the long. IRS, right? Right. Okay. Correct. Gotcha. Uh, now, I mean, a lot of this stuff is decided by Congress. You know, Congress writes these laws and the IRS helps to implement them. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, the idea is you want to try and take as much depreciation as quickly as possible. And a lot of times you'll see, you know, the government's been kind of accelerating depreciation uh, over the years. They've tried to make it easier and easier to take it sooner. And a lot of that is because uh, a lot of it is beneficial for the economy. Mm. You know, people, it, it encourages investment into different projects, uh, encourages people to buy equipment, things like that. They want, you know, the people to engage in these activities. And that's why they offer this benefit. That's why they offer essentially, you know, free money from the government, right? Okay. So, but, okay, I, I still can't wrap around the free money thing because, okay. I mean, if the government is lessening the time that you can write these things off, 
Mm-hmm. Ultimately, all you're doing is taking your deduction sooner, right? Correct. So it's not really free money from the government. It's it could just be. getting a deduction sooner. It could be. Do you want me to show you how? Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> I'm all right. I'm interested to see how this this turns into free money from the government. All right. Let's talk about it. <laughs> So, you know, depreciation uh, or, you know, uh, what, what Tom would call the magic of depreciation, right? Okay. Is that you essentially get a deduction for something that you didn't necessarily pay for. Now, why do you say ne- not necessarily? Because you might have financed it? Correct. Yeah. Okay. You know, so like gotcha. in the case of uh, real estate, you know, you may have borrowed money from the bank to purchase that real estate. Okay. Now, you may have, maybe you put you know, 20% down, but you got an 80% loan from the government. Gotcha. Not from the government, I'm sorry, from the bank, right? But the government lets you take a, a deduction on 100% of what you bought. Okay, so what you're saying is, is because you can take a bigger tax deduction, reduce your tax liability more than what you paid that year for that asset. Correct. Okay. Yeah. And so, you know, essentially you get to lower your tax bill, which basically puts more money in your pocket because that's money you didn't have to pay to Uncle Sam. Gotcha. So it's kind of like an interest-free loan, in a sense. Yeah. Okay. You know, the uh, the way we look at it is, you know, uh, the government wants to partner with you on certain activities. If you engage in the activities that the government wants you to engage in, they're going to give you benefits. Nice. Okay. So and depreciation is one of those things. So what does the average business owner need to know about depreciation? What What is important for them to know as they're making these purchases? So, I mean, the biggest thing is, you know, how quickly can you take the deduction, right? You want to know, can you take it all up front? Do you have to, you know, spread it out over time? So you mentioned 15-year threshold earlier. How would the average business owner know whether something is depreciated more or less than 15 years? They probably wouldn't. So that's where it would be helpful to have, uh, you know, somebody who's knowledgeable in depreciation to be able to help you determine, you know, what that is. I'm assuming buildings would always be more than 15 years. Is that correct? For the most part, yes. Okay. So, uh, you know, like if you bought a rental house, that's typically going to be 27 and a half. If you bought a commercial property, it's going to be 39 years. But where it gets more interesting is if you engaged in a cost segregation study, there are ways where you can take some of the contents inside those buildings and depreciate those quicker. So, like, if you bought a rental house, let's say, and the house itself is going to be 27 and a half years, right? And anything that's kind of structural to it. But if you also bought, you know, the cabinets inside the house, the carpet inside the house, the appliances inside the house, you know, all these things can be depreciated much more quickly. Interesting. So, you can take part of the cost of the house Mm -hmm. out of that 27 and depreciate it faster. Correct. How does that work? Do people need to, I assume, track these expenses the, the, for upgrades? And right. So, I mean, uh, you know, so a lot of times people will try and do it themselves. Okay. You know, that's an option. There's some uh, some DIY software out there if you want to try and do your own cost segregation study. Uh, we typically recommend uh, getting an engineer involved or a CPA involved that can help you with uh, figuring out you know, the depreciable life on these different items. Which would probably be worth it for somebody that's in the real estate industry yeah. and they're doing this often. Absolutely. Okay. So, and that was, you know, that was one of the things that uh, when Tom met Robert, right? Uh, Robert had never done a cost segregation study. And Tom was like, man, I can't believe this. You know, you're sitting on like millions of dollars worth of deductions. 
Wow. That's <laughs> and, amazing. You know, and yeah. And so, you know, because of that, then now Robert's a client for life. Wow. <laughs> right? That's really neat, actually. Okay. So that's good for real estate. What about if it's not something that's real estate related? Let's say it's a piece of equipment. Sure. That's specific to an industry. What then would determine how long you can depreciate it? I mean, it depends on the type of equipment, but, you know, most equipment's going to be under 15 years. Okay. So you'll get a 100% deduction right away. Uh, A lot of people, you know, they go to a CPA or a tax preparer and they'll they'll bring them all the information that from the year that they've done. They'll say, okay, well, here's, here's what I bought throughout the year. And a lot of times, because we have this hundred percent bonus depreciation, uh, you know, accountants and tax preparers, CPAs, they'll just go ahead and do it on the tax return. And you may not even know what happened. So, you know, like you were talking about the $2,500 threshold, mm-hmm. uh, some, some use a thousand dollars, some use $5,000. Yeah. It just kind of depends on what, kind of industry you're in or or even really what CPA or account yes, you're using. <laughs> exactly. It's kind of their preference and what they feel comfortable with. You know, but that threshold, I mean, this is kind of where they determine what what to put on the return is depreciation or not. And they kind of do it behind the scenes and it shows up as a deduction on your return. So you probably don't even really know that it's happening most of the time. Which is it's something that typically shows up at the bottom of an income statement, right? Uh-huh. And a lot of times people disregard it, right? They're looking at, what is it, EBITDA? Yeah. That number that's before the depreciation. So it almost seems like I feel to to the public at large that it's something that you just don't even pay attention to, really. Right, but really, you know, like I said, they should. Because that, that can be a very powerful deduction. That can be a very big, you know, uh, cash flow item. I mean, if you don't have to pay the taxes on that on that purchase or that depreciation, you know, that's basically essentially money in your pocket. And that's where that, you know, free money from the government comes in. Because so that's money you didn't have to send to the, right, to the IRS. Right. So let's say that there's a business owner listening to this that's maybe not even sure what depreciation method has been used for the equipment or whatever they bought. What What would you suggest that conversation look like if they were to go ask their CPA about this? What should so, they be asking? Yeah. So, I mean, they should definitely ask, you know, are we taking depreciation? Let's just start there. Okay. <laughs> right. Because believe it or not, a lot of people uh, will go out and they'll buy like rental houses. And for whatever reason, they didn't think to ask. The CPA didn't think to put it on there or the tax preparer. And and they don't take depreciation at all. Oh, wow. You know, for maybe for several years. Well, um, and that's key too, as a side note, especially from a bookkeeping standpoint here. There is a lot of times when business owners will go purchase a large item and may not tell anyone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know this is shocking, but we are not <laughs> mind readers. Um, and it's sometimes it's obvious. I mean, we actually have a monthly checklist item, which is to look mm-hmm. specifically for anything over 2500 so that we can spot anything that might be a fixed asset and we can ask about it. But let's say, and this does happen, the owner were to go purchase it with a personal checking credit card that we don't see, which big no-no, don't do that. But let's just say that were to happen and it has, then how are we ever going to know? Because it's not even an account we monitor. Right. You just won't. Or maybe they go get a loan that's a personal loan that's paid outside of some account we see, mm-hmm. again, how are we going to know? Or maybe right. they pay the payment with 
a personal account or a business account, but maybe we don't realize that it's a loan payment. You mm-hmm. know, if it's made out to, you know, we usually question this stuff, but it could fly under the radar if it's a $500 payment. Yeah. Now, if we see that it is to a bank or some kind of lender, we try to question those things. Sure. But yes, these things do happen to slip through the cracks sometimes a because the business owner doesn't realize this is a super important thing to let yeah. your accounting professionals know. Yeah, I mean, you definitely, you're missing out on a lot of deductions. You're missing out a lot of, you know, you're essentially paying more in taxes than you'd have to otherwise. Right. Yes. And I don't know who really wants to do that. So how do you (laughs) fix that kind of mess? Because I have seen this happen where I had a new client, in fact, that as I was walking through her tax returns, just trying to see what the situation was, she's telling me about a vehicle that's a company vehicle, and I'm not finding it on any of her tax Mm -hmm. returns. And she was shocked. You know, she's like, well, it's a company vehicle. It's in the company name. Right. What do you do in those instances where somebody's had this asset for multiple years now and mm-hmm. it's never shown up on any tax return? How do you yeah, fix so, that? Yeah, <laughs> so, I mean, there's, there's always a way to fix everything. That's the way I look at it. <laughs> do you amend those tax you know? returns? or? Uh, not usually. No? I mean, that, that How would, do you fix That it? would be an option if you wanted to do that, but um, this is a little more advanced. But there is a form. Uh, it's a 3115 form, uh, and it's called an application for change in accounting method. Okay. Uh, so in, in that case, there's, there's two boxes. There's a box you can check if you're going from a correct method to another one, like, you know, cash to accrual. Um, but there's another box you can check where it says, if you go from, you're going from an incorrect method to a correct method, Ah, you know, you can can catch up on your depreciation. So in, in those instances, would the IRS actually send a refund for those missed deductions? Uh, I mean, if you, if you did the, if you did end up doing like an amended return or a carry back, they would. Uh, if you do a change in method and you just report all the all the depreciation that year, uh, any any unused depreciation or unused deduction would just carry forward. Gotcha. Okay. Um, you know, but you know that's where kind of tax planning comes in. Something that we do, and that is, you know, maybe it makes more sense to take that if we have an item like that. You know, if we can take a lot of depreciation in one year, maybe it makes more sense to do it in a high income year. That does make sense. Okay. So you can get the most you know, tax benefit for it. So I would say it would be a good idea for any business owner to go in with a list when they're talking to their CPA. Here is all the assets that we have. I want to make sure that we're yeah. actually depreciating all of these. Yeah, absolutely. I think it makes sense to go through and make sure that your uh, depreciation schedule, you should have one. Uh, a lot of times, for whatever reason, it seems like people don't get a copy of it. You know, their, their CPA or tax preparer doesn't give it to them. <laughs> But, you know, if you don't get it, make sure you ask for it and make sure that's correct. Right. Uh, you know, make sure you have all the, the old items off there. I mean, there's I'm sure you've probably seen it. I right? have seen where, <laughs> yes, a CPA will send and I'll review it and I'll see things on their depreciation schedule that they haven't owned for years. And it was even things that we emailed the CPA to say this was sold on this date for this amount and oh, yeah. still... They left it on there. So, yes, you oh, have, have to I check have, uh, I have clients that, you know, they keep their uh, 1999 fax machine you know? <laughs> <laughs> still on there. <laughs> it's like, oh, wow. do you, uh, you still really using that? Are you? <laughs> you know, does that thing still run? <laughs> so, so how much of a problem is it if you're still depreciating an item that you sold years ago? Well, I mean, you definitely don't want to do that, obviously. If you don't own it anymore, if you've sold it, if it's So uh, let's say that's happened because I've of, seen it happen. Be, you shouldn't be depreciating anymore, but right. you know, 
Right. But let's say, because we have seen it, I'm sure we've both seen it, where mm-hmm. somebody's depreciating an asset that they sold two years ago. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that, can, that can definitely happen. Uh, you know, same same kind of method. You can do uh, an amended return or you can do a, a 3115 form. Uh, the 3115 form is, is a little bit of a nuisance. Uh, you know, so it's it's not something that anyone, I wouldn't recommend somebody attempt it on their own. Without. Can you basically just act like you sold it in the current year? Or is that a no-no? No, I don't think I'd recommend that. Okay. Yeah. I'd really prefer to, you know, uh, report things yeah, as, they're, okay. as they happen uh, in the year that they happen. Well, obviously. You know? That's <laughs> so, ideal. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah, we'd probably go back. I mean, if it's, uh, depending on what it is, we might go back and amend. Okay. Um, so, what do you typically recommend for the average person? What method do you, what's your go-to method? Well, I mean, like I said, you know, we always want to try and do things as quickly as possible. So, so the bonus depreciation, that's like your favorite. 100% bonus depreciation. Take as much of that as you can right up front. And then you just know. roll over any losses that you have yeah, to the next any year. any unused you can carry forward. Uh, I mean, most people, you know, most people have some kind of an income that they can offset it with. Uh, so, you know, it's usually beneficial immediately. Okay, that's good to know. Uh, you know, there is 100% depreciation or 100% bonus. Uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, on certain vehicles. There's, you know, uh, if you if you use your vehicle primarily for business, then if your vehicle, say your vehicle weighs over 6,000 pounds, then you can depreciate 100% of it, you know, in the year that you buy it. Wow. Okay. So you can get a pretty hefty deduction that way. So I did a um, podcast episode a while back called The Answer That Every CPA Answers Differently. <laughs> And it was about a situation where a guy kind of got into a sticky situation because he took bonus depreciation and then he switched to be an S-corp, be taxed as an mm. S-corp. So he was taxed as a sole proprietor as an LLC, and then he elected to be taxed as an S-corp. And in the prior year, he had taken a bunch of bonus depreciation, which caused a sticky, sticky situation. So could there be instances where if someone's thinking about changing their tax status, mm-hmm. being taxed from a sole proprietor to a, an S-corp or something similar to that, should those factors weigh into the decision on whether or not to take that de- bonus depreciation? Like if you know someone's about to change their tax status next year, would you recommend something otherwise? Well, I mean... Um it would probably make more sense to wait, I guess, until you have the S in place. Okay. But, you know, setting up an S corp, that can be done, uh, you know, basically at any time. You may, I think you know. in this situation, I'm trying to remember what, I think it was a basis issue because they had, they had financed it, mm-hmm. but in an S corp, if I'm understanding correctly, you have no basis for the financing. Right. And so he had this bonus depreciation creating this huge liability issue on the balance sheet, so a negative equity situation. So that's where it just kind of created this weird situation. And yeah. I went to a, a CPA group where everyone's discussing this, and, and it really stumped this whole room of CPAs. <laughs> like, hmm. So there was a lot of different recommended solutions. This is how I created this episode about yeah. the question that every CPA answers differently. Because I probably asked 10 or 12 CPAs after that how they mm-hmm. would fix this issue. And every single one of them gave me a different answer. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's an unusual situation. It is. Put it that way. So I mean, yes. it, wouldn't, it wouldn't apply to a lot of people. So that um, I would just guess based on that particular situation that if you're thinking about changing your tax 
status in terms of your type of entity, right? That that needs to factor factor into your depreciation decision. Yeah. So I mean, you know, and it, it and also it kind of depends on, like you said, financing can be an issue. Uh, banks and right, um, you know, people that you're getting a loan from might have different requirements. So you may not be able to get. Uh, you know, certain financing types of financing inside of like an S corporation, uh, especially if you haven't been established long. Right. So you may have to buy it personally anyway. That uh, makes sense. You know, and then essentially like contribute it to the business. Right. But, um, but there's a little bit more, I guess, loops you have to go through in that situation. Right. Yeah. No, it is more complicated. Uh, you know, I mean, our usual recommendation actually is that uh, you would buy the vehicle personally. And then, you know, if you have like an S corporation that you would just reimburse yourself uh, for the from, mileage the, from or, the S corporation, yeah, gotcha. for the mileage or, you know, repairs, it's, it's, it's kind of an either or situation, gotcha. but there's like standard, you know, mileage deduction or there's the, you know, so in that case, costs. then you wouldn't be depreciating the asset because it's a personal asset. Is that right? You know, that's a great question. <laughs> I stumped the CPA. I think it's your goal every time, isn't it? <laughs> I do my best. <laughs> so you for sure can take the mileage or You know what? I think you could still you could still no, you can still do it. You can you can take the depreciation. You can depreciate an asset that doesn't yeah. belong to the so business. You could. So really? basically probably what I would do is uh lease the vehicle to the corporation then. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. And then, you know, and then essentially you're, you can depreciate the, the vehicle and you're just going to charge a, uh, a, a lease. lease fee. Interesting. Okay. You know, and then there could be a, um, adjustment in there for mileage or however you want to do it. But yeah. Okay. So you could essentially lease the vehicle to the business that way. Now, if you're reimbursing yourself as a business owner for mileage, can you still take a mileage deduction on your tax return? Uh, not on your personal. Just on the business. But if you're in like a partnership or an S Corp or something like that, it's going to flow to your personal anyway. Okay. So, right. so you're going to get the benefit either way. But if you, okay, so if you personally paid yourself for, for the mileage, mm -hmm. you can still write off in the business that mileage, even though you, well, that's what the, yeah, that's what the, that's what happens. So, yeah. So when you reimburse yourself, like from the S Corporation to your personal, you're you know, just you're writing a, off that expense that yeah, you've that, reimbursed that particular yourself, expense, right? yeah, okay. the mileage or whatever. So you're, you're um, not putting in your mileage deduction on your return in addition to that. No, gotcha. No, right. Okay. That's yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. That no, makes no, sense. No, no double dipping. Yeah. No, that makes <laughs> sense. Okay. Anything else that you feel is important that business owners know about this? So, um, I mean, something else that's come up recently, uh, you know, so I'm part of Tom Wheelwright's WealthAbility Network. And at the WealthAbility Network, we believe that the government is, that the tax code is a series of incentives that the government gives us to engage in certain activities, right? And so one of the things that they're working on right now is there's some, some pending legislation. Uh, most people probably don't keep up with this stuff, but, <laughs> you know, Congress is always busy at work. They got to do something, of right? Yes. And they got to keep themselves busy oh, yeah. and try and justify their paychecks. <laughs> I don't know if you saw the episode with Robert Grawla, but he brought in a tax book that was probably four or five inches thick. And he was telling us that like 20 years ago, it was only like a oh, half yeah. an inch thick. So that's how much it's grown just in the last 20 years. Oh, I know. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know, and uh, makes you wonder how thick that book will be in 20 years from yeah. now. <laughs> I think these guys get paid by the pound. You know, right. It's, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's just crazy the stuff they come up with. But. Uh, but, you know, we we believe it's a series of incentives 
and that the government gives you incentives to do the things that they want you to do. Of course. Right? Yes. And so uh, that's why they have depreciation, right? We talked about this a little bit in the beginning with depreciation that they're trying to encourage investment, right? They want people to uh, buy houses or build houses. They want people to buy buildings or build buildings. They want people to buy equipment and lease it out or, you know, whatever, whatever it may be. They want to encourage that people. Uh, they want people to buy cars, right? So they mm-hmm. make the hundred percent depreciation or deduction available for cars. And so one of the things that's coming up, or at least that we see coming, is that with the new administration, we think there's going to be a large a large push towards green initiatives, mm. right? And so, because that's been kind of a, a hot-button issue uh, for them for a while now. And so I think there's going to be a push for incentives for green energy development, uh, whether it be uh, solar, wind, hydro, you know, whatever the case may be. And one of those things that they're talking about doing is reinstating the 30% credit for uh, solar panels. Ah. And so, you know, that's hugely beneficial for people uh, if they want to put solar on their houses or whatever. But even more importantly and even more beneficial, right, is if people want to put solar panels like on their business or if they want to put solar panels on their rental properties Ah. or something like that because you can also depreciate the solar panels, oh, gotcha. you know, solar panels are less than 15 years. So you get a hundred percent deduction, you know, the first year when you install them. Now you do have to offset that a little bit. It gets a little more technical. You have to uh, reduce the depreciation deduction by the, you know, uh, I think it's by 50% of the credit. So okay. I was going to ask, so you do have to take <clears throat> that credit into account when you are right. So there's a little what, bit of an adjustment yeah. there. So you really kind of get 85% instead of a hundred you know, but then you also get the added benefit of the 30% credit. So these two But that's not in effect now. It's just they're talking about it. They're talking about it. Okay. Yeah. So, so it, it looks may like, be in the works. Yeah. So don't rush out and do it before right, Christmas. But right. <laughs> <laughs> don't go buying solar panels for Christmas. Okay. You know, but. <laughs> so this isn't a talks maybe for 2022? Probably. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I suspect they're probably going to pass it before the end of the year, but it's okay. probably going to be like, you know, that's how they're going to celebrate New Year's for them, right? <laughs> Well, and they They're love gonna... <laughs> now it's the new thing to change things in the middle of tax season. Yeah, so you that never was a big know. surprise this year. <laughs> you know, we, we love getting new uh, tax laws and bills and things right, you know, in the right. middle of tax season, right. <laughs> like in March this year. <laughs> For the prior year. That's right. I mean, crazy. it was ridiculous. So, I mean, that was, uh, you know, if you if you have a CPA or a tax preparer, please forgive them. <laughs> right. They, it's yeah. been a challenging year. Yeah, uh, for sure. You know, we've had a lot of, you know, the, the, the new laws come out and then, you know, we have to wait on the IRS to tell us, you know, how does it work? Right. <laughs> and then, and then we have to wait for our software companies to update it, right? you know, so that we can actually put it into the software and make it work. And so, and I'm just imagining, I mean, I know from the bookkeeping side of things, it's always a win when you get a, a set of books caught up and it's like, all right, we got this in maintenance level now, right. you know, we've got this huge cleanup <laughs> project, but for you guys, it's like getting those returns done. So I yeah. can't even imagine getting all these returns done just to find out, Everything's now changed and we're going to have to go redo those. Right. Yeah, no, exactly. Now, I mean, the, you know, the IRS is, is very nice sometimes, <laughs> not often, but on, on rare occasions. Right. And, uh, and they actually fix stuff for us, which is nice. But, oh, good. And uh, so one of those things was like uh, this year we had the unemployment. A lot of people had unemployment in 2020, right? Makes sense. Everybody was laid off, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Essentially or furloughed or whatever you want to call it. A lot of people got unemployment. Uh, well, in nine states, community property states, Texas being one of them, uh, you were allowed to essentially double dip on the exclusion. So 
that was one of those things they came out with like mid-March. They were like, hey, we, you can exclude, you know, $10,200 of your unemployment. And then later on, they decided, oh, wait, you can actually do that in community property states. You should actually do that twice. And so they ended up, uh, this is one of the things that the IRS kind of fixed for us if we didn't fix it ourselves. Uh-huh. They went ahead and just issued additional refunds to people that, that this applied to. And I think it was uh, yesterday or today they announced that they're sending out uh, adjustments to 450,000 more people. Wow. That, you know, didn't take advantage of that additional deduction. Uh, they just went ahead and fixed it for people. And okay. They're going to send them some surprise refunds. Well, so hopefully that's that you didn't have to do them in the Hopefully return. that's in the mail. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Hopefully it's on its way. But so, um but yeah, no, we're we're expecting some new some new laws, some new legislation, you know, probably by the end of the year. I know there's been a lot of kind of back and forth this year and they you know, can't seem to get together on the same page about it, but I'm I'm pretty sure it's going to happen, but probably like December 30th. <laughs> you know. Yeah, exactly. At midnight. <laughs> Whatever the last, you know, last minute is that they can do it. And uh one of those things is probably going to be the the solar panels that we talked about. And if you uh, if you do that combination of the the bonus depreciation, which is not available personally, right? Like we talked about, but it is available to business owners, rental property owners, that sort of thing. If you do the combination deduction and credit, it effectively covers like sixty seven percent of the cost wow. of doing solar panels, and you get the added benefit of reduced electricity costs. So, okay, so if they know. could just fix how they look. Because <laughs> they're hideous. Totally agree. I I just can't get into the look. You I know. know? It's, like yeah. If there was a way to hide them somehow or make them look like regular shingles, that's True. what they need to work on. True, for sure. Yeah. So they got some some ways to go on that. I think before they're going to be very widely that's accepted. true that's true yeah my uh yeah i don't think my wife's gonna let me put me on my house <laughs> i understand i get it so here's the question that i'm getting asked now and i'm sure you are too how do you get a hold of the irs now you don't <laughs> <laughs> yeah it just seems like that's the issue you don't so uh, I mean, it has gotten a little bit better now that we're. So kind have of you past found the there's better times and days? Like I had a business owner ask me this the other oh, day, yeah. and I said, "Well, try Friday at the end of day, like right before they they close." Sadly, yes. <laughs> is that is that when you've had success getting a hold? That's of That's usually when I get through. Yeah. So uh, you know, a lot of people they like to spend their Friday nights going to dinners, watching movies, uh-huh. you know, spending time with the kids. You know, my Friday nights are talking to the IRS. <laughs> And probably true for a lot of CPAs. Yeah, it could be. I hope you know. I hope not, but it may be true <laughs> because yeah, that's just the the, the, the state of things right now. In. Yeah, I mean the the IRS has been very backed up this year. Yes, uh, they're only answering depends on who you talk to. Officially, I think they're saying twenty percent of their calls, but it's really more like five or two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. they're really just not answering a majority of their calls. And, and I've heard uh, they have. Just tens of thousands of pieces of mail unopened. Yeah, so I think that's still going on. I mean, <laughs> it, at one point it got up to like 13 million or something that they were oh working on. And wow, uh, you know, at least especially during the pandemic last year, you know, they were having uh, like semi trucks just parked in the parking lot and they were just throwing the mail in there. Like, <laughs> you know, we'll we'll get to it when we get to it. <laughs> it's unreal. So, yeah, for a business owner that's trying to get a hold of them. For, you know, an important issue. In this case, the business owner was having difficulty because um, of some miss, how should I say it? Some 941 returns that were done improperly. Sure. And he's trying to to rectify the issue, you know. So, 
you know, I, this is a stressful situation for a business owner that, oh, yeah. you know, they, they know they need to get a hold of the IRS to resolve an issue. I don't even know what advice to give them other than Friday night. That's your night. Yeah. You know, <laughs> give it a shot. Um, you know, if you, if you're benef- if you, if you have the benefit of having a uh, California number that can help you out mm. <laughs> uh, because you know, they, the hours of operation, depending on who you're calling are either seven to seven or eight to eight uh, uh, based on your time zone. So gotcha. uh, a lot of times, like I have a Colorado number cause that's where I'm from originally. And so if I have to, I'll call on my Colorado number because that at least buys me an extra hour. <laughs> ah, that's smart. In the, okay. in the evenings, you know. This is good tips. And I think there's apps where you can get phone numbers from other places. Yeah, Would that yeah. work? Yeah, you could definitely. Uh, I used to do that. I had a uh, Magic Jack uh, for uh-huh. a little while. You can buy one for like $20 at Best Buy. Uh, yeah, just, just get a okay. California so number, get a California number <laughs> and call it the end of day that'll, Friday. Cause that'll buy you an extra couple These, of hours. There you go. Uh, it's really kind of gives you, if it's, if their hours are, you know, seven to seven, it really kind of gives you till nine here in Texas. Okay. So. That's good to know. We're getting uh, the tips and the tricks. On it does, hold it does help a little bit, you know, but I will say, I mean, the, the lines are, they are what they are. They're busy. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, this has been good. Very informational. Thank you yeah, for joining excellent. me on this today. Thank you for having me. How can fun. people get a hold of you if they would like to learn more about you or possibly use your services? Yeah, no. So I, uh, I have my website, of course, uh, J Dixon. That's J D I X O N C P A dot com. Uh, and of course, you can also Google me, J Dixon Tax in Frisco. And then a uh, uh, phone number? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Uh, 214 390. Nine seven one one. Obviously, not his Colorado number. No, <laughs> no, that would be the official uh, company line. Gotcha. <laughs> and I am Lindsay Klein. You can reach me at info at sakline.com, s a k l i n e dot com, and of course our website sakline.com, and all of our links to Spotify, Google, Apple, anywhere that you can find our podcast is on our website. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is Lindsay Klein with Sakline Honest, Accurate Bookkeeping Performed on Time. Until next week, have a great week, everyone. By the Books is presented by Sakline Honest, Accurate Bookkeeping Performed on Time. For more information on Sakline services or to get a hold of Lindsay, visit sakline.com or email info at sakline.com. The information provided on this website and podcast does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. Instead, all information, content, and materials available are for general information purposes only. Information provided by Sakline may not constitute the most up-to-date legal or other information. Listeners should contact their attorney to obtain advice with respect to any particular legal matter and should refrain from acting on the basis of this information without first seeking legal advice from counsel in the relevant jurisdiction. Only your individual attorney can provide assurances that the information contained herein and your interpretation of it is applicable or appropriate to your particular situation.